0: And now Terry's going to come and explain a bit more about the reading for us. Thank you, Terry. Let's just pray together. Lord, we pray now that you would just open our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things from your truth. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher and our guide. And we pray now, Lord, that you would just open our hearts to your word and open your word to our hearts, that we may learn new things so that we may be better equipped to serve you. For we ask it in your name. Amen. The story of Ruth takes place in a When the Israelites are living in the Promised Land after the death of Joshua, instead of heeding the warnings God gave through Moses and Joshua, the people rebelled against God's rule. They served foreign gods. They were taken over by their enemies. And each time in response to their cries for deliverance, God sent them a judge. But we read in Judges chapter 2 when but when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshipping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. A vicious cycle ensued and by the end of the book of Judges, brutality, immorality were commonplace. In those days Israel had no king, everyone did as they saw fit. In this social, religious and moral chaos, this book of Ruth was written, reminding the children of God that there was hope, that a remnant of true faith remained that God was continuing to work in the lives of ordinary people as they went about their daily lives. You see, we've moved from Samson and Gideon, the judges. Instead, we see the Lord preoccupied with a woman called Naomi. We're given a glance into a family life and we witness firsthand God's providence God's protection and God's provision. Ruth and Naomi had no idea that they were part of an eternal plan. This plan would fulfil God's promise to Abraham that his seed would bring blessing to the whole world. Their tears will be turned into triumph. The famous author, British author and literary critic, Samuel Johnson, once read a book, the book of Ruth to a group of literary critics, distinguished people, without telling them what the source was. They thought it was a new literary work. And they praised this book of Ruth very highly. Then Johnson told them that the story had come from the Bible, a book some of these men rejected out of hand. The book of Ruth is a little gem, Shining in the midst of the darkness of a wicked and corrupt generation, I remember going to see a, 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 a film a few years ago, four weddings and a funeral. I wasn't really taken with the film at all, but I was dragged there, I think, by gay. And you could see that and 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 you can see that Ruth is about three funerals and a wedding. In the book of Ruth, we see Misery turned to joy, despair to hope, death to new life. And in this last chapter of Ruth, I want us to think about the joy and the results of obedience. All through this little book, we, we saw, see how ordinary, ordinary, everyday people try to please God by living according to his truth. I want us to see that the true heroes of faith are those who just do that. Obey God in the smallest details of their lives. And we can live like that too. But first of all, I want to see look at a gracious Redeemer. Boaz is a man of integrity, he takes no shortcuts, he doesn't manipulate people or circumstances. He knows that if something is done in God's way for God's glory the result will be what God wants. Boaz, though though loving Ruth and longing to be her redeemer himself takes the risk of giving another person the chance to redeem her. The focus of attention now moves to the city gate in in many ways the the centre of city life. Here the people meet conversation, business, administration, justice, the poor wait for aid. And today Boaz goes to the gate to sit with the others, the elders acted as judges, and he has a plan. We see five times in Ruth, uh, in the first few verses, uh, the word sit down. There's a lot of sitting down in these first few verses of 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 chapter 4. Boaz sat down to begin the work of redemption, but in actual fact Jesus sat down when he'd finished the work of redemption. So Boaz sits at the town gate. A kinsman redeemer came along, a relative nearer to Ruth than Boaz. And Boaz invites him to sit down and he calls the elders to act as witnesses. And if a family became poor and had to sell their land a wealthy relative could redeem, could buy back the land for them. And that was the role of the kinsman-redeemer. A widow like Naomi could appeal to the elders at the gate for justice and the nearest relative was required by law both to redeem any land to keep it in the family. And in verse 4, Boaz offers the man the opportunity to buy back the land. And he accepts, thinking Naomi is too old for marriage. It would be an investment, maybe to his own advantage. But in verse 5, Boaz tells that marrying Ruth was part of the contract, and this man changed his mind. It was for fear of spoiling his own inheritance. It was his duty to help in this way and by refusing, he was dishonouring the law of God. Boaz loves Ruth and wants to marry her. What began as deep and genuine care for this young foreign widow now becomes deep personal love. And it was in order that he might marry Ruth that Boaz had engineered this ploy. Mentioning the land first, and Ruth afterwards his masterstroke paid off a friend of mine when when you're in the Anglican ministry you dread doing a wedding and those verses if anyone has any reason why these persons should not marry each other you have to declare it now it never happened to me after doing quite a lot of weddings but it happened to a friend of mine and this elderly couple were getting married and he, he asked the question And this elderly man from the back stood up and said, I have a reason. So he had to stop the wedding, take them into the vestry, and ask what the reason was. And he said, what's your reason? He said, I wanted her for myself. The chap she'd married had beaten him to it. Boaz wanted Ruth for himself. Boaz was not concerned about preserving his name or his wealth his only concern was doing the will of God and rescuing Ruth. He was willing to redeem her and it's a lovely picture of the Lord Jesus Christ who left heaven and in obedience to his father's will comes on a rescue mission as our redeemer. The unnamed relative wanted to keep his name if he married Ruth, and Ruth had a son, the son would carry on Elimelech's uh, name, not his. He wanted to keep his name, but he lost it. For Boaz, his name will live on until the end of time. The attitude of the unnamed relative is the attitude of many people today, who are prepared to do God's will as long as it doesn't interfere With their own interests. And their own ambitions. Mark 8 says. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world. And forfeit his soul. Faithful obedience to God. Brings with it. A lasting. Inheritance. Verse 4. I will redeem it. But then he saw the cost. And the sacrifice. And he missed the. He missed a part in God's great plan of salvation. Just like the rich young ruler, he went away sad. He lost the privilege of being an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Boaz, this lovely picture of a gracious Redeemer, for Jesus to redeem us, he had to become our near-relative. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 14 and 15. He became man because only as a man could he become our near kinsman and pay the price to redeem us. He was willing to redeem us because he loves us and not wanting anyone to perish. And we have the opportunity for redemption because Christ, our near kinsman, has power to save us and is willing to redeem Whoever comes to him in faith. The only way to redeem Naomi and Ruth was to obey the law and to pay the price. God was willing to obey his own law and to pay the price. The wages of sin is death. Jesus fulfilled the requirement of the law by dying in our place. Like Ruth and Naomi, someone must pay the price, a redeemer. Jesus only he is able only he is willing to pay the price because he loves us and we see in this a beautiful relationship Ruth is a story with a happy ending it began with a famine and funerals it ends with a wedding and the birth of a baby in verse 9 Boaz declares Ruth his wife he loved her But see the place of marriage in society. Not just a private affair between two people. The couple has a responsibility to society and to God. Promises are made in front of witnesses. They ask for prayer and the support of friends and society. And people pray for them. They pray for Boaz and Ruth and ask for God's blessing on them. They pray that Ruth would be fruitful, that they would be famous. I don't think they ever knew how famous they would become. Her testimony would go out all over the world. She would be an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, because of her obedience. Bethlehem would be the birthplace of our Lord. Glory came to that city and a living hope to the world. Ruth and Boaz become one, united in life and love. She belongs to the Lord of the harvest and has a wonderful relationship with him. When we have that wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus, we are united with him. We are not simply workers, labourers in his field, we are his bride his very own, his life. Our service is no longer toil, but joy. Everything is ours because we belong to the Lord of the harvest. We're redeemed because he loved us. He set his eyes upon us and loved us before we loved him. Just like Boaz and Ruth. And we see an obedience rewarded in verses 13 to 22. In verse 13, Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife and they had a son. And in verse 14, we see how wonderful God is when we leave our our lives in his hands. No wonder the women said, praise the Lord, this son born to Ruth and Boaz and also born to Naomi and Elimelech. Though his son... Through his son, the name of Elimelech still lives. Through him, God's purposes for the world were carried forward. He was called Obed, which means servant of the Lord. In chapter 1 and verse 21, Naomi, she says, he brought me back empty. Yes, in order to fill our arms, with new life Ruth loved Naomi very much she was very loyal to her and she became a blessing to her she gave her a grandson and Naomi praises God for his goodness to her see the change that comes about like Alison over the years uh, we've done the Pie Family Tree and um, with the help of my brother and I, I find out that pie comes from magpie, which were a thieving bunch, <laughs> and not like Alison's um, family tree. And, uh, and being in Borås, we see that magpies are a real pest when it comes to the lambing season because they aim for the lambs, the newborn lambs, to attack attack them. But the pie motto is in cruce gloria, my glory in the cross. So a change must have happened to these thieving magpies in the past. But I'm reminded that we are connected with generations past and will be with generations to come. Ruth was King David's great-grandmother, one who belonged to the family of God. And we are like Ruth, not Israelites but foreigners yet have come to rest under the shadow of his wings. The book of Ruth is part of our history too. The book of Ruth ends in a special way. It tells of a farmer in Bethlehem and a girl from Moab who loved the Lord. It shows that their faithfulness, their lives, were part of God's plan to meet the needs of all his people and to bless them more than they could imagine ordinary people just like you and me yet precious people coming together to bring about God's purposes for man and for the world God chose Ruth to become one of the ancestors of Jesus Christ Jesus like Obed was born in Bethlehem into another ordinary family Ruth, like Mary, loved our Lord. Joseph, like Boaz, was an upright man with a loving heart full of integrity. Our lives and decisions are part of God's care. We, as Christians, are part of His family. The God who called Ruth and Mary is the God who calls us in Christ. Do you not find that an enormous privilege? May our response be like theirs I am the Lord's servant. It's in the ordinariness of of the lives of ordinary people that God is working out His purposes today. We may look at our nation, but it's through ordinary everyday living that God is working His purposes out. The commander in chief of a large army has his plans and his strategy. His plan of campaign is broken into sections and and divisions. His commands and orders reach some very ordinary soldiers on the enemy line, on the front line. They don't understand the orders they receive sometimes. But the success of the battle will depend on their obedience. The commander-in-chief knows the strategy will work but he counts on unquestioning obedience at the front line from these ordinary soldiers. Ruth was a blessing to Boaz, to Bethlehem, to Naomi, to Israel, to the world. Because she is an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Saviour of the world. We too must obey in the simple tasks of life that the Lord has given us today even when we don't understand what's going on. All we need to know, our Commander-in-Chief knows, and he is working out his plans. He asks only that we are obedient. What an encouragement to our lives as we serve the Lord in faithfulness and obedience, even though we may feel ourselves very ordinary people. Our God is great. Our God is sovereign and he is in control of his world. This little book reminds us that for the Christian, God still writes the last chapter. We don't have to be afraid of the future. Judges is a book where there was no king. The first Samu- in 1 Samuel, it's a book where we have man's king, Saul. But in 2 Samuel is the book of God's king. David appeared and established the kingdom in the name of the Lord. Even though we are living in difficult days, when man does not, does that which is right in his own eyes today. And there's no king. We can seek the kingdom of God and be loyal subjects to the king of kings when everything seems to be falling apart. There can be a king in our lives reigning in our hearts. It was Ruth's commitment that made the difference in her life and in the lives of the people she loved. Have we put ourselves at the feet of the Lord of the harvest? Until we do, God can never be to us all that He wants to be. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven you hold us you hold all that you have made within your gracious providence. Help us in all things to see your hand, to live as those whose lives are entrusted to your sovereign care. As Ruth became one of your people, so you call us by name and invite us home. We are glad to find shelter under the refuge of your wings. In Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer, you meet us in our ordinariness and make our human life your own. We thank you for your costly self-giving in redeeming love, so that we can share the life of your family. You've taken our pains, our sin, our bitterness, our fear to yourself. Forgive us our sins and teach us how to forgive. Grant that when we walk the valley of tears in the dark, we may not lose sight of the resurrection dawn of hope and joy. Through the Holy Spirit, the Giver of life, you lead us into truth. You guide us by the warmth of your love. As Boaz went beyond the call of duty in gracious provision for another's needs, how much is your gift of grace, far more abundant than we could ask or think? Teach us to be alert to the needs of others, that each may have daily bread for daily need. God, the Holy Trinity, from you each earthly family receives its name and learns its love. You are the God of history. Through your family, the Church, you now make known your plan to to unite all things in heaven and on earth in Jesus Christ our Lord. Before him one day every knee will bow. Lord, help us and help us to bring every aspect of our lives under the rule of Christ our Lord. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen.